So today's episode was really amazing. I had my friend Jamil Damji on the show and he shared how his company, Keegley, is doing 50 to 70 deals every single month. It's crazy numbers, but on top of that, they were not satisfied with that. They ended up going and franchising their business with hopes of taking it public and it's on a very quick path to do that. So we talk about how he's going about that. He's giving me ideas for how I could potentially franchise some of my businesses. We talk about his struggles as somebody who was getting started, not knowing how wholesaling worked or what it was, but just falling into it. We also talk about mindset. We talk about faith. We talk about having balance in life. It's a really good podcast. You guys got to make sure you watch it till the end. And as always, if you are not subscribed yet, make sure you do it. It's absolutely free and you're going to get notified every time we release a new podcast. So with that being said, let's listen to what Jamil has to say. If you've ever wanted to invest with me on my real estate deals, it's now possible. At Pineda Capital, we're purchasing value-add real estate all across the country. This includes multifamily, commercial, and land development. The best part is, with my network, social media presence, and marketing strategies, we're able to get the very best deals that others don't have access to. You can join in with me on those deals if you're an accredited investor. If you want to learn more, head over to PinedaCapital.com to see our current opportunities. Once again, that's PinedaCapital.com. One of the hardest parts about real estate investing is finding a good contractor. That's where Southwestern Custom Construction comes in. They've been doing remodels in Nevada and Arizona since 2006. As a fully licensed and bonded general contractor, they're able to help with any type of renovation all the way from an entry-level fixer-upper to a custom luxury home. Southwestern Custom Construction specializes in working with investors. I've personally used them on many of my projects, so I know their team is legit. If you want to get a bid on a project, head over to customhomenow.com. Once again, that's customhomenow.com. Welcome to The Ryan Pineda Show, where our mission is to invest. I only expect to make money in things that I understand. Innovate. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And inspire. I am much more likely to hit my goal just due to putting it out there. You're now rocking with the best. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I am here at Jamil Damji's house filming this podcast, dude. You have a beautiful home. Thank you. Thank you for coming and, uh, and gracing us, man. I'm, I, honestly, Ryan, you're a buddy. Uh, we, I've known you uh, a couple of years now, and I'm really happy to have you at my house, man. So thank you for coming out. Yeah, man. I remember I, I came down to Phoenix uh, maybe two and a half years ago or That's so. That's right, yeah. And uh, I was on Steve Trang's podcast, yes, a good sir. friend. And you know, he's like, you got to go check out Jamil's operation. And at the time, I mean, you know, for those of you who don't know, he owns Keegley. And they are doing anywhere from 50 to 70 wholesales a month. And, um, you know, I go to this operation and right. it is just like, I don't want to say it was like controlled chaos. Yes. You know, there's yeah, like a, a great of, way to describe it. Yeah. There's people <laughs> everywhere on the phone. It was like the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, are these guys all closing deals? Like what's going on? Yeah. Like just so many things going on. And then, you know, you're just sitting in your office and not a big office at all. No. You know, no. like it looked like a closet. It did. And, yeah. uh, you know, you're just having a conversation and we're talking like, this is crazy, you know, to see this type of operation, man. So it, it is mm-hmm. surreal to be honest, you know, looking back at it, I was scrolling through photos in my memories and my phone, love how, how iPhones do that. And I came across a photo of Keegley's first office, which used to be sip coffee in Phoenix. Okay. We literally began the company in a coffee shop. Why? Because we didn't want to spend money on office space. Um, we had, uh, um, sorry guys, we got some puppies, <laughs> we got, that, we got got some three puppies dogs. here on the podcast that are trying to steal the show from us. Venice, get out of here. Uh, so <laughs> so um, we were at a coffee shop. It had free Wi-Fi. They allowed us to hang out all day long. So we would just sit there. Finally, we grew. We'd hired like, hired like three people and we couldn't just hang out at a coffee shop any longer. So we went to Josiah's living room. Uh. And the next photo was... Keegley's first office being Josiah's living room. What year was this? This would be 2016, 2017. So late 2016, early 2017. Uh, Fast forward from there to the office you met me in, which we call it the Footfish office. 
What does uh, that mean? <laughs> the reason we call it foot fish office is because, you, as you could uh, eloquently describe it, it was a closet. Um, <laughs> it was a really tiny office for the number of people that we have, right? Right. And so we're all crammed in this little space, but we're all enjoying it, having fun. However, when you put that many human beings in a, in a space like that, it starts to smell like feet. <laughs> so it smelt on good times of the day like feet. And then my neighbor would cook fish bombs in his microwave at lunchtime and his exhaust would come right into our office space. Oh, your, your commercial our, neighbor. Yes. And so <laughs> he would like warm up his food and then our office would smell like fish. So it either smelled like foot or fish. So it was the foot fish office. Now we're in a really beautiful space and we actually are moving to purchase an, another space. So, um, the journey has been great. Yeah, man, that is a funny story. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, you know, I walked in and I said, I don't know if I'm in a locker room or what's the deal, but, uh, you yeah, know, we got some must going on here. 100%, dude. There's, <laughs> there's, I think uh, Max Maxwell once described it as, I started to realize that there was something, that there was like a th common thread of my office sucking. Because Brent Daniels was like, he, he, had, he had me on his podcast and he came to the office. He's like, man, I like this. You know, it's like humble. It's like, it's like real it's like real gritty. It's, it's, it's like scrappy. And I'm like, okay. I thought it was nice. Right. And then Max Maxwell came and he's like, man, I just love how it's so gorilla in here. How it's just so like, you guys just don't give a, f you're just getting at it. You're just go. And I'm like, so these people leave, right? And then I look at my business partners and I'm like, is, does our office suck? Are we getting dissed? Yeah. Or like, like is this, does this place really like smell like, and so we, we had to really come to terms with the reality of the fact that like we were getting hardcore like 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 dissed by everybody who came to our office so you know and i didn't enough. even mean to diss you on the no, podcast no, but you know i was it's so. all good it, it 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 just goes to show that you know you you really are what you think right people can come in and they can see like on the outside, you come in and it says musty office. It's all these people that's running around. They're doing stuff. But it's like the first thing that might hit you is the smell in the door, like just all the people crammed in the space. Yet on the inside and what's happening in our minds is that we're in this really high vibe, electric, beautiful environment. And it just goes to show that how you think is truly the reality you experience, you know, yeah. and it, it may not be the same reality other people experience. But what does it matter? Yeah, you guys were getting results. Exactly. Um, I think just the fascinating thing for anybody outside coming in, it's like, okay, man, these guys, they're killing it. Like, let's see what's going on. And then you walk in, you're like, huh. Yeah. Interesting. That's not what I expected. Right. I so. They should spend a little bit more on rent. Yeah. Are they really making that much money? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. No, it was uh, it was cool going down there, meeting you the first time. And then, you know, to see your guys' growth these last few years. Um with education, with now franchising yeah. Keegley's, with continuing to just do all the deals you do. And, you know, in this beautiful house that we're in now, like props to you. Thank it's, you, man. It's been just to see you from then to now. Um, you look healthier. Everything yeah, I'm, about I'm trying. You. I'm trying yeah. for sure. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the franchises and stuff later because I really want to know about that being cool. as a guy who's got multiple companies like, hey, how do I do that? Yeah. Um, but before we do that, Tell me a little bit about your story, dude. Like, how did you get to this point of, hey, we, we have this wholesale operation doing, you know, 70 deals a month. Love to. So I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I actually was, I'm an American Canadian citizen, so I'm dual. Born in LA at five, my parents move us to Calgary, Alberta. I grew up there and I grew up in a real, like, poor neighborhood, right? I, I didn't come from a lot, but my parents, man, they're the most loving, amazing people ever. So like, they just wanted the best for me. And my mom and dad both wanted me to be a doctor. It's a typical Asian thing. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm East Indian. Uh, and so I mean like Indian African, essentially my, both my parents are from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, but mm. they got to Africa from British colonialism, which took Indians out of India and put them in Africa. Right. And so that's my like ethnic, uh, heritage. And so my parents, they're like, they come with this mindset of you either got to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, or a, a, a dentist or some kind of like high-end professional to have a respected career. Yeah, exactly. And so coming out of that, you know, I'm, 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 I've taken the MCAT. I've got a near 4.0 GPA in school and I have this breakdown. Hmm. I'm like, 
I can't be a doctor because I started talking to people and, and I asked them, you know, how likely is it that I'm going to be a plastic surgeon? They're like, why the heck are you picking plastic surgery? I'm like, that is where the money is in, in medicine. If you're not this like really highly specialized doctor, you're literally going to just make maybe 200 grand a year. Right. And so I'm in this, in this mindset of like, I, I don't think I'm in this for the, for the right reason. I'm not, shouldn't be a doctor if I'm like wondering how much money I'm going to make. Doctors should be doctors because they care about helping people's health. Right. So I leave that. I, I, I tell both of my parents, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm done. I don't want to, I don't want to pursue this any longer. I break their hearts and I go into sales. So I'm a telemarketer at this point. Okay. Um, I'm telemarketing for a telecommunications company and I meet a girl there who is friends with uh, another person whose family members are, had just started this media company and they were struggling and failing and they were, they were failing so badly that they were going to have to shut their doors in a couple of months if they couldn't turn it around. I'm a talented salesperson. And so my girlfriend's like, go talk to these people. Maybe there's an opportunity for you there. I talked to them and the company, their business was going through the yellow pages and convincing business owners that this thing called the internet was the wave of the future and that the businesses should build a website instead of advertising in the yellow pages or both, right? I'm like, cool, I can do that. So I start off at that company, I'm working commission sales. I, I bring in so many sales for websites that I end up leveraging myself to owning half the company, right? <laughs> wow. Because I'm like a sales like, guy getting half the company. Exactly. And so I'm like, look, you can't, this company doesn't exist without me creating sales. So I want half. And they gave me half. And that was great until I realized that I was selling a website for $600 that cost us $700 to make. <laughs> so you're like, I'm, I'm now losing. Money. I'm now losing every time I sell. Yeah. Right. So that's where I am. And I, my business partner at the time, him and his father are real estate developers as well, right? And he's explaining to me, and I'm actually listening to him and his dad talk about this deal that they're doing where they're going to, they're going to build a duplex and make $160,000 on the sale of this duplex. And for me, $160,000 is like life-changing money, right? I ask how I can get involved, and they're like, you can't because you don't have any investment capital. There's nothing you can do here to be involved in it. But then I listen to them continue to gripe about needing more building lots. And I ask, what do you mean? Like, what's a building lot? And they're telling me that they're taking these old bungalows, knocking them down. As long as the zoning is R2 and they're on 50 by 120 foot lots, they will buy the house. And I'm like, maybe I can fit in there. So the next day I'm walking my dog, Mash, rest in peace, Mash. I'm walking my dog and I, I actually live in a neighborhood where this development is happening, right? There's a rental that I actually tried to rent three months prior down the road that was $300 more money per month than I could afford. And it was still for rent. So I called the for rent sign and I asked if she'd be interested in selling the house instead of renting the house. Her answer was yes for the right price. I asked her how much she would sell for, 350. I asked my business partner what he would buy for. He says 400. Mm. So now I have a $50,000 problem to solve because I have no money, right? But what I do have is a knowledge that I can talk to people and I can get into the phone book, which is what I'm doing right now, talking to people to ask them about buying websites. And I go into the lawyer section and I start calling down all the attorneys. And I, in Calgary, Alberta, that's where pro property gets conveyed through attorneys out there. Mm -hmm. And I get all the way to S. David Steed, I'll never forget him because he answered his phone. He was so fresh out of law school that he answered his phone himself. And I told him the situation and he very quickly said, ah, easy problem to solve. All you need are two contracts, one where you're the purchaser and or a nominee. And then the other where you sell the property and then you bring those contracts to me and I'll do the conveyance and then I'll give you a check. And like, I'm like, are you serious? Like, this is, <laughs> this is all I have to do. I'm like, I don't, do I have, do I, am I required to have a business license? No. <laughs> Am I required to have a real estate license? No. Do I need any money? No. Is this real? <laughs> Is this legal? Yeah. Yes and yes. Let's try it. And so long story short, $50,000 check, actually 48,000 because I had to pay him some fees. Right. And I was off to the races, man. So I like, 
at that point, I'm like, this is incredible. I go, go, go. 2008 happens. I'm, I had actually done so many deals from that point to 2008. What, that, what, what year was that first? That one? was 2002. So before you get into like what 2008 looked like. So in 2002, right? The internet, all that stuff is still pretty fresh. Right. There's no, you know, YouTube or people Correct. teaching you what wholesaling is, how to do it. You literally just figured it out on your own. I thought I invented it. <laughs> You're like, this is the craziest thing ever. Yes. I don't have to buy it. Yes, yes. And I, I, I now know it wasn't true that I invented it, but I'm like, man, I'm the smartest man yeah. in the world. Like, it's this like, is so uh, cool. You know, when I talk to people, a lot of them say, oh, yeah, you know, Carlton Sheets was yeah. like the guy that was telling people how to do it. And, right. um, you know, some of these other guys. So that's crazy, man. So Since weird. T- t- 20 years you've been doing this. 20 years, man. So what happens? You do this from 02 to 08. 02 to 08, I have a real run up. You know, I make millions. And, but at the same time, it's that prestige thing I think that like Asians have that I don't even have a job title. I don't even know what I do, right? I'm like, I'm flipping contracts. Have you ever heard of whole, like, has no, anyone used no, the word wholesaling? Wholesale. It never, no, never wasn't even a real thing to me here. When there. did you like hear the word wholesale? In America in 2012. You're like, this is what I've been doing. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's like if you were a dentist back then in the cave, like in caveman days, but you were like the, the guy who everybody went to when they had a, a toothache. <laughs> yeah. And you just knew what to do. Yeah. That right. Was you. So that was me. And then they're like, you're a dentist. You're a dentist. And you're like, <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> I guess I am. I guess so. So, <laughs> right. So I guess that's what it was. Um, but yeah, that's how I got my start. 2008 crushed us because, you know, I wanted to have prestige. And because I couldn't even call myself any like business title, what I did was convinced my family that we should take all the millions of dollars that I had made flipping contracts and start doing development projects. Mm. So in 2000 and end of 2006, my sister and I bought four multifamily apartment buildings to renovate and do condo conversions in. And we had financing in place. We had pre-sales on our, on our uh, um, units. And then 2007 happens, end of 2007, and the credit crunch happens. All of the pre-qualified sales that the banks had approved, they now recall. They now wanted to re-qualify because they're entitled to do that. Right. And the construction loan that they had given us on those buildings were based off of those pre-sales. So now that those pre-sales are no longer qualified pre-sales, what happens to the construction loan? They call it. Yeah. And so they basically called the loans on all four of those buildings. We couldn't debt service. We couldn't pay them out. And they bankrupted us. Wow. The saddest part about it is I had my mom and dad sign personal guarantees on those loans. And so not only did I take myself and my sister down, but I took my mom and my dad down as well. And they had worked blue collar jobs their whole lives just to have a house. And now we're homeless. Wow. Right. So 2008. Uh, my sister, my mom, my dad, my 150-pound dog, our niece, my sister's husband, our cat, and I are all in a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. Wow. And it was like... This is in Canada. At, yes, in Canada. And it, we're like, this sucks, you know? And at the same time, I have a sense of humor, right? So I'm like, well, why don't we just get the heck out of Canada and I'll go try my hand at being a stand-up comedian in Los Angeles. Were, were you serious? Like, I was serious. Like... To be a comedian. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, real quick, Canada was doing the same thing the U.S. was. They were just giving these fraudulent loans. They were just giving people loans. And I, I, I I've never even heard of somebody from – so this is interesting to me. Yeah. So they same exact problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had – we you know, lending practices, I don't think they were as loose in Canada as they were in the, Uni- in the United States at the time. Right. But at the same time, I was using a private bank, and their rules are always a little bit – yeah. loopier. Yeah. Uh, um, and then on top of that, just to be able to like, if you, if I give you a construction loan based off of pre-sales that I qualified and then it, within my documents, I have the right to then call those pre-quals back yeah. and then call that construction loan due that I don't know how, I don't know how that can be legal. Yeah. Like sure. I, I don't like yeah. that. They didn't give us an opportunity that felt like a trap. Right. Mm. But anyways, it is what it is. It, you know, that, all of that pain led me to the most miraculous days of my life because as though, although we were all living in a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment, those were some of the sweetest days that I have in memory right. because I got to be with my mom and dad again. My mom was cooking Indian food. <sighs> you know, we were eating samosas. I was playing, I, my, you know, my dog. I, like I, I, I can't remember um, us being happier. Yeah. And it was cool, and we were all 
sad at the same time, excuse my language, but that we were, yeah. we were sad too, you know, but we were happy because we were together. Right. And my parents and my sister, they never pointed their finger at me and said, you, you ruined us. They never did it. They yeah. said, we love you and we'll follow you and whatever's next, we're behind you, yeah. you know? So it taught me a lot about unconditional love. It taught me a lot about what it means to be family. And, uh, you know, I, that, I, I'll trade the millions for those experiences any day of the week. 100%. I mean, I totally agree. For us, um, you know, thankfully, I wasn't doing real estate before 08, so I didn't get hit like everyone else did. I got in right after, you know, 2010. And it was obviously still difficult in 2010. Yeah. You know how it was. Um, but I look back at being married and when we were roughing it, you know, young, didn't have money. And those are some of my best memories where it's like, man, we're trying to figure it out. And then you look back and you're like, man, remember when we were going through this and we felt this way and now we're here, you know, when we dreamed of the day we'd do this and now we are so that it's, it's cool, man, to see like something play out. And, so um, so I, I would just say that to encourage anybody who's going through a rough patch right now, you know, think about where you will be, think about the steps and, you're going to look back at this time right now and be like, man, I remember what it was like. So totally. And like, pay attention to the sweetness of the moments you're in. Yeah. Cause like there's sweet moments in every, there's sweet moments in prison. Yeah. No, for real. Like there's sweet moments everywhere in life. Right. 100%. And so like take note of the sweet moments. Yeah. So you, you decide to go to LA yep. as a comedian. Correct. Um, you know, what happens like, well, I'm not on a comedian podcast right now. No. <laughs> so, so uh, you're not, you're not on the Joe Rogan I'm not podcast, on the Joe Rogan podcast, but, but I'll, I'll say this. I, um, I, I did okay. You know, I, I, I tried my guts out. I, I ran the open mic circuit. I had a couple of opportunities to perform at the comedy store and laugh factory. And those were amazing. Uh, I went and found my niche in sketch comedy though. Mm. So more than stand up. Uh, Which explains your ads. Yes. Which 100%. Do you, do you come up with those. all your ads? Okay. I do. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and so I went through a training program, Upright Citizens Brigade. Shout out, UCB. Um, amazing comedic training uh, uh, platform. Like they are incredible. They really teach you the science of comedy. And once you understand that comedy is a science, it's it like you, movies get ruined for you. Everything's a everything. Science. Everything is. Yeah. Right. It's all in threes. You know, comedy is in threes, um, callbacks, buttons, uh, learning how to have like higher brow humor versus like just like poop and fart jokes. Yeah. You know, really just understanding like what makes the human mind want to laugh. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Right. It's always to be surprised. If you catch somebody off guard, you can make them laugh. But. Uh, then you start looking for the trap door, right? But anyways, I'm out in LA doing that. Meanwhile, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm like looking towards Phoenix and I'm, I'm like, wow, like the market really got like beat up in Phoenix. You can buy a condo in Phoenix for 25,000. <laughs> that was like 350,000 at the height of the market. And it's still renting for 850 bucks a month. Yeah. Right. How's like, how does 25 grand ever get you 850 a month? Yeah. So that's what we started doing. My sister was working in, uh, she was still back in Canada when I was in, in um, Los Angeles doing comedy. My sister was kind of like helping our family get financially back on our feet. Mm -hmm. She was supporting me while I was pursuing that dream as well. Um, but as we started to gain a little bit more traction, a little bit more capital, we started buying property in Phoenix, Arizona because you could just get it so cheap and our, we could arbitrage our lifestyle from rents in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing this from 2010, 11. And then as you know, in that time, the majority of the deals were coming from short sales. Yep. And so, and the short sale game, you write 50 offers and maybe three of them become fruit. Right. Right. And so what happened is one of those 50 offers, you know, we, you, you literally have to write 50 to get three deals. Well, we got a few more deals approved than what we could actually close on in one month. Right. And now I'm in this situation where I'm like, I have this like approved short sale. There's no deed restriction. The bank has no problem if I sell it so I can legally sell this deal. I go on a Craigslist and I just write an ad because I know that I can sell contracts. Right. I learned that in Canada. Again, I don't know what the name wholesaling is. Right. I, right. I don't even know what it is. And 15 minutes after writing the ad, I get a phone call from Tim Wynn 
um, who is Mike Lima's business partner, who was originally Sean Terry's business partner. So like full circle, how these like goats are like, yeah. they have their, their hands in so many people's careers. Um, uh, Tim Wynn calls me up and, and says, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to drive by these properties. He does. And 15 minutes after that whole, you know, situation, he's like, I'll take them. And, you know, I basically marked each up $10,000 and after conveyance I was making $18,000 in like 15 minutes of work. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in Los Angeles eating ramen noodles, <laughs> right? Like thinking, what the heck am I doing here? Like I, I, I can barely scrape together dimes, right. you know, and they're in, you know, in Phoenix, you can make $20,000 in 15 minutes. And so I pack up 12, 12, 12, my birthday. Uh, I got in a U-Haul, I drove to Arizona and I didn't look back. Right. So I get to AZ I'm doing the same thing, short sales. Then we go into the foreclosure world. Um, properties are now out of foreclosure, but like homeowners are just selling and I'm in this like wholesale. I start to learn what wholesaling is because I now know there's a term for it. And um, I get really good at building relationships. Mm -hmm. And my entire business is built off relationships. For those of you that don't know the story of Keegley, we do 50, 60, 70 deals a month as Ryan had early described, but our marketing budget is zero. Yeah. It's just all relationship, -based. all relationship based uh, business, right? So we get the majority of our deals from real estate agents and wholesalers. And what I teach in astral flipping is how to do that, how to, how to leverage relationships to bring yourself to a high level of profitability without having a big marketing spend. Yeah. And um, I meet my two beautiful business partners, Josiah Grimes and Hunter Runyon at a sandwich packing party. So what happens I, I don't is, even know what that is, but, yep, but go on. I'll tell you all about it. So, <laughs> so uh, I get invited to a party where this guy says, you know, I, I, the night previous, um, uh, this guy Torsten and I were chatting and he said, you know, Jamil, aren't you worried about our kids? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're just going to get so entitled because we make money and they can have whatever they want. I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know, that's a fear. Sure. It's like, well, I'm having a sandwich packing party at my house tomorrow. We're going to pack a thousand sandwiches for homeless people, mm. um, peanut butter and jelly. And then we're going to go out and hand them out at the park. You want to join, bring your kid. I'm like, yeah, of course, let's do it. So I, I go to this party so I can teach my children what it's like to pack sandwiches and feed homeless people. Like, let's do this. Right. But at this party, these two young guys, Josiah Grimes and Hunter Runyon, are there as well because they're service-based, loving, you know, Christ-following people, right? And um, they walk up to me and say, hey, we've heard of you, right? Are you that Jamil guy? I'm like, yeah. You did like, f how many deals last month? I'm like, 14. Mm, like, how? How? How did you do that? Yeah. Like, well, you know, I just, I have a lot of relationships and I, it's, I'm really talented at getting deals. And so they asked if I would give them an opportunity to sell some of my deals. And I'm like, you know what? I'm really in a situation right now with someone where I'm working with like pretty good. So no, but why don't you give me your phone number? <laughs> and if it works out that I need your help at some point, I'll give you a call. Yeah. And they did. And look at how God works, right? So my business partner at the time, he's like kind of aging out of the business, right? So he's done really well in his life and he wants to spend his time on a yacht, not in the office answering the phone, right? right? And so... But the thing is, is that anytime he would go to the Bahamas or go on a yacht, he wouldn't call me to tell me he was leaving town. He'd just f off. He'd just go. He'd just leave. And I'd be trying to call the guy. And he's like, oh, sorry, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Bahamas. I'm like, dude, like, and so I got frustrated, right? And in that one of those frustrating moments, I pick up the phone and I call Josiah and Hunter. And I'm like, you know what? Here's an opportunity. Here's a house. Sell it. And like the guys they are within, they're like, we got it. We'll send you an option. And, 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 and let's go. And I'm like, great, I'll sign it. Let's go. So I optioned the property to them 15 minutes after giving them the house sold. I'm like, incredible. Well, I have another one. <laughs> Give them another one. 15 minutes later sold. I'm like these guys are incredible. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we loosely have this relationship for about a year where we're just doing deals and I'm still kind of fluid between my ex partner and these two dudes who I'm working with until finally we just, I break off with the, with the other gentleman and Josiah Hunter and I form Keegley. I had this concept in my mind where I wanted to build a nationwide real estate company that would have the potential of having an exit. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You know, 
um, before we got on the podcast, you were talking about, man, you know, one of the things I want to tell people is about when you start a business, thinking with the end in mind. And um, that's something that I have thought about a lot with all of my companies, mm -hmm. right? Because most people, they start a flipping or wholesale company and it's a hustle. Like first off, they're the only ones doing it. It's not sellable. But then you reach, I guess, the second level of it where, you know, it's pretty systematized and you've got processes, you're making money and um, somebody may buy it, you know, maybe. Um, but there are very few that are franchisable and that are, you know, truly that much systematized where it can work nationwide and you have the processes to go train other franchisees and all this stuff. Like I know what I teach can work nationwide. You know, we got students across the country, but I don't have a franchise model where, you know, my company home run offer can be sold nationwide you know, at the moment anyways, sure. Because I never planned for it to be that, right. <laughs> you know, for me, it was always, Hey, let's make money. All yeah. right. Hey, all right, great. We're making money. Let's make more money. Okay. We're doing that. Great. How do I remove myself? Okay, great. Like at this point I am removed, which is amazing. I can come here. I can do podcasts and we're still getting deals, making money. Um, but even if I were to ever sell home run offer, it's still just my operation. And, um, you know, whatever it sells for whatever it sells, not going to be anything crazy. Um, but I look at what you've told me off camera and you have Kegley, which, um, you know, is you built it the same way, right. To just doing deals, making money. And then you took it nationwide with franchisees instead right. of you saying, Hey, I'll do, uh, personally, you know, hundreds of deals a month with my own franchise or my own company. You said, you know what, let's equip, other franchisees to let them do, you know, however many deals per month. And then, you know, we'll have franchise fees. We'll take a little bit of revenue. And, uh, I, I look back at it now and I, I'm like, man, that was genius of them because, um, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. You're yeah. impacting their lives, the franchisees. Plus it, it should be less work for you. Cause yes, you know, they, it's their business at right. the end of the day, you're giving them all the tools, the support, everything but they still need to make it happen. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, you, you explained the coffee, uh, sh <laughs> the coffee shop story of how you guys started. We talked about the musty office, yeah. but uh, what ended up happening, you know, from the 50 to 70 deals to becoming a franchise? Well, I have to give a lot of credit to my business partner, Josiah, for that because um, you know, of course, in my head and in my heart, before we started Keegley, I had this idea that I wanted to build this big nationwide real estate wholesaling company uh, that I could one day sell. Yeah. How I was going to do that, I had no idea. Right. Right. There's that book, right? Who, not how. Yep. So great my book. Dan great Sullivan. book. Right. Dan Sullivan. Amazing man. He didn't even write it. Um, <laughs> so he found good. the who. He found the who. Right. And so I have this idea, but there's no how in me right? There's no how I don't have the knowledge, but my beautiful business partner, Josiah is a genius, right? This guy is just a fantastic man. And he immediately understood the, the vision, the vision of what that could be and saw, you know what, Jamil, we're looking at this company right now is doing, you know, eight to 10 million a year in revenue. Um, why don't we take this concept? Why don't we take these systems that we've built and, document them and franchise this. And I'm like, are you, can you really franchise a, a wholesale company? And then not right many as, people have not, well, I've, the only one I've seen really is, is the home investors, investors right? In. And they're fantastic, right? They've done, they've done a great job and why not? That makes sense. Let's go. Like, let's, yeah. let's, let's do what home investors did. Sure. Yeah. And so that was the undertaking and it was a two year process, Ryan. It was like, you know, being a franchise is extremely arduous because there's a lot of checks and balances. The uh, government gets involved yeah. um, in, your in your business, right? They want to make sure, are you legit? Are these numbers real? Um, you then have to get audited, audited financials, yeah. right? Can't lie about Can't nothing. lie about nothing, right? And not that you would, but like, there's just no, like you have to show it. Look, if you're running a company right now where you're offsetting extra expenses. And when I say extra, I'm doing the air quotes, extra expenses. Don't do that. 
right? Yeah, you got to show profitability. You got to show profitability. You have to actually pay taxes. You cannot, this isn't about how can I make the most money. This is about how can I show the most compelling story? How can I have a compelling story that other people want to be a part of, right? Well, the story and then also show the growth, right? Exactly. that is huge for companies. They're looking at where were you at three years ago? Okay. Are you growing? Right. You know, so right. I think there's a ton of, uh, things to look at. I want to pick your brain about what the two-year process looked like. Sure. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to find deals yourself? That's where Fundrise comes in. Fundrise is a crowdfunding platform that has transacted over $5 billion in real estate and has over 150,000 active investors. While many funds like my own require accredited investors, Fundrise allows anyone to invest with as little as $500. If you'd like to learn more, check out Fundrise.com. Once again, that's Fundrise.com. One of the best ways to get off-market real estate deals is through cold calling. And if you want to reach as many people as fast as possible, then you need Batch Dialer. With their predictive dialing technology and built-in CRM, Batch Dialer is one of the top dialers in the industry. You can switch between single or multi-line dialing, as well as do voicemail drops and call recordings. And for being a listener of The Ryan Pineda Show, you'll get a seven-day free trial. Just go to batchdialer.com slash Ryan. Once again, that's batchdialer.com slash Ryan. Now back to the show. All right. So you're, you're, you decide you want to do this process and, um, Josiah sounds like he was the one who did the undertaking of it. He was the who and Hunter and Hunter uh, and Hunter. Yep. They okay. did a lot of that stuff. Josiah came with the vision. Hunter came with a lot of the grit, uh, cause an FDD, if you know that the, the, what the, the word means, it's a franchise disclosure document. Okay. Uh, so the first thing is you engage an attorney who is, uh, skilled at franchising. And you tell them what you want and they look at your business and they say, is this franchisable or not? Right. They're going to be like, hey, uh, this isn't franchisable because you're the only person who brings in any revenue. Right. So if that's happening in your business, you're not franchisable. But if you have systems and processes in place where one person can leave and another person can come in and that operation can continue. Yeah. That is possibly franchisable. So the attorney came in, looked at our business processes and gave us the opinion that, yes, you're franchisable. Then we had to go through the undertaking of creating the franchise disclosure document. And this is the public offering, basically. This is what we are giving to people as the full-on opportunity. This is, we're, this is how we're going to do business. This is the way we do business. This is what our numbers look like. These are your responsibilities. These are our responsibilities. This is what happens if we don't keep up our end of the responsibilities. This is what you pay us. This is what this looks like. And uh, what, if you like this, now take this to your attorney. Now take this to your accountant and then sleep on it for 14 days, and then yeah. we can be business partners. Right. Right, and so it's, a, it's an extremely long, arduous process. Writing the FDD is like writing um, an epic romance novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. So you t it took you two years to do this FDD, yes. and you, know, you guys finally complete it, and, um, you know, you start selling franchises. Correct. And um, how many do you have today currently? Currently, we have 60 operating. Um, we have 150 uh, that should... Be, we have commitments for up to 150 by the end of uh, 2021. Now, I, whether or not that actually... They, if they all close and fund, is we'll see. But yeah. we do have a buyer for that many units uh, that are slowly closing you know, 10, 10, 11 units a month. So it, it looks oh, like so it's, it's one company that's, it's one company that's bought a lot, but then we have a ton of, of individuals Just, as well, you know, mom and pops. Correct. So are, I mean, obviously the buyer who's buying that many, you know, they got deep pockets, but, uh, the mom and pops, is it something they have to come in with their own cash and credit or can they get like an SBA loan? How does that work? Yeah. There's all kinds of financing in place for it. We have lenders. Okay. We also finance depending on who you are and what, how, we feel about you. Yeah. Cause you guys are doing profit share. So, right. you know, right. it's in your best interest to pick. Cause 100%. like, are you guys market exclusive with your franchisees? How does that work? So it's, they, it's not specifically market exclusive, but, uh, it's territory exclusivity. So, okay. and the way that our our FDD reads is there can be one franchise unit per population segment of 500,000. Got it. So for instance, you know, in, Vegas in could have, you know, three or four people. Exactly. Okay. Got exactly. it. But that's not a lot. 
considering when you look at how many home investors are in Vegas. Oh, I know. I yeah. mean, there's there's ten home investors. Right. So, how does it work with like leads and stuff? Like, if you generate a Las Vegas lead, walk me through what happens. Love it. So the lead source for us is uh, is mainly our wholesaler relationships, right? So what we do is every month we deliver new wholesaler relationships to our franchisee. Uh, we also continuously add to and build their buyers list. As you know, a buyers list is like I, a living. I bought, I bought deals from you yeah, guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a living, breathing organism. It has to be maintained and, and nurtured. Yep. Um, and so those leads come in from wholesalers. Our buyers are real. And then every month we continue to deliver them. We also have a direct-to-seller model, which we're implementing right now. So just like Homevestors where we make the phone ring, the same thing happens with that. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. that's different yep. than what you guys have been yep. doing. So that's cool. So... I mean, I love seeing it. I mean, you guys are selling the franchises. Is there a plan to potentially sell Keegley as a whole or take it public? Public, public. public is where we're looking right now. Um, you know, Josiah is definitely in that uh, headspace. We've had some conversations, you know, about a, p a possible exit. But um, we, you know, when you, when you really love your, ch your kid, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought about that too. Like, you know, you build businesses and they are your baby. hundred percent, man. And it's like, man, even like right now I have enough money, you know, it's not going to change what I do. If I exited a company, like right. for, it's not like I'm going to go buy even more stuff. Right? right. So what, what goes through your head in that where you're like, man, what, what would I even do afterwards? I, Ryan, you could, you took the words out of my yeah. mouth. Like, what would I do? I, f I get my value. I get my worth. I get so much satisfaction on a day-to-day -day basis. of just walking into that office and seeing the faces of the people in there who are like benefiting from this organization and this community, you yeah. know, that, that it worried, it would worry me that if somebody else came in, like I actually asked the question to Gary V himself and because we were, there was a point where we were looking at taking on venture capital mm -hmm. and I had the opportunity of meeting Gary V because of Max Maxwell. And I asked Gary V straight up, should I get venture capital? And he said, you are in the business of flipping paper contracts. Yeah. How would you feel if your company got flipped like that? Mm. Like, mm, explain that. He's like, when venture capitalists come into your company, they're looking at the parts that make money and the parts that don't, they strip away and they flip them. And so understand that they're in to make an ROI and that the organization, that the culture and the company that you built has nothing to do with it. their ROI. Wow. They look at the most profitable pieces, they extract that and then everything else falls off. Wow. And right then I realized that VC wasn't the way to go. No, you want control. I want control. I want to maintain that because it's not all about just pure ROI and no, having the best. There's people. Yeah. It's people, man. Like those families, my, my head disposition guy made $40,000 last month. Crazy. One in one staff member, you know what I mean? And I have multiple staff members like that, that yeah. are crushing it, that are making more money than I ever made. Right. You know, I, I, even like my relatives who are doctors don't make that kind of money. No, right? not at all. And so when I get to have that impact on people's lives, you know, I seen a guy come in where he was just wearing the same clothes every day and now he's wearing yeah. a Rolex, Yeah, you know? Well, the VC, like, the VC ain't gonna let him make that much money. No, I'll tell you that. no chance. They're gonna keep that, Yeah, right? So there's a lot, man. There's a, there's a lot that I'm looking at and I think public's the way to go. Yeah, I hear you and I'm with you. So speaking of that, right? We, we've also talked off camera about, you know, going niche versus going broad. Yep. And you have gone the very niche route, right? Super niche. When we think about real estate, or when we think about business and finance and money, like there's a lot of ways, right? You got real estate, you got stocks, you got crypto, you got entrepreneurship, you got social media, like there's a million ways to make money. Um, and then, you know, you pick real estate and then there's like all these sub niches. There's flipping, there's wholesaling, there's Airbnb, there's rentals, there's multifamily. Real estate agent. Real estate agent. There's a million of them. And so you go, all right, we're wholesaling. But then you go into this even more niche of wholesaling, you know, just co-wholesaling. You're not even trying to do direct market. Well, now you are, but you know, for the every time you guys are just known as people who can co-wholesale really well. So you went really niche and completely dominated, you know, got to where you're at today, um, and just mastered the process of that. Um, and then we were talking off camera about me, 
where I'm like, Hey, you know, I want to take things to a certain point yeah. and, you know, I want to do other things. I want other companies. I want to, um, talk about, you know, I, I love talking about real estate, but at the end of the day, I have many more passions as far as business is related and faith and family and just, uh, you know, balance and mindset, which we'll talk about mindset here later. What are your thoughts on that for somebody who's thinking like, man, should I go ultra niche or should I go broad and not as deep? Man, it's a, that's a great question, Ryan, because, you know, I'll give you, I'll tell you my honest truth, right? Because I'm a big supporter of you. I'm a mm -hmm. big fan of yours. And I'll tell you, I've been watching your meteoric rise, which has been not only like fun to watch, but also extremely inspiring, right? Because I've seen you come from as a person that I know through real estate, right? I, I only known you as through your wholesaling business and to start, that's how I meet you. Right. Yeah. Um, but now I get to see how much of a broad, deep person you are that you're like, and, and more of your story. Like you, you were flipping couches. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like you, you and you're, you're a legitimate entrepreneur. Like it's not, you're not just a real estate guy. You're, you're all things entrepreneurship. And so I think that if you have as dynamic of a mind where you can be that high level in multiple things, then by all means go broad. I am a very interesting person because I have ADD and I'm unmedicated ADD, <laughs> right? So uh, I have this issue of getting so hyper-focused on one thing that everything else around me disappears, mm. right? Which makes me a great meditator. Mm. It's, um, but at the same time, it also makes me a complete jerk because yeah. like my wife will be trying to have a conversation with me. And if I get distracted, I've, I've left the room. Yeah. Right. Or I'll be like in something and I, like the whole world could be destroyed around me and I'll be in that thing mm -hmm. because I'm so hyper-focused. Right. So I think that for me, because that's my mentality and that's how I am as a, as a person going super niche in the business made sense. Makes perfect sense. Cause I couldn't juggle more than I, what I have, mm -hmm. you know, but if you have like, let me, let me ask you this question. When you, when you are doing uh, work, can you listen to music? Yeah. Okay. Can you listen to music? Maybe even have the TV on. Yeah. Can you listen to music, have the TV on and pay attention to your child? It starts to get difficult, but that's yeah. like five tasks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so none of those things could happen for me. Yeah. You're Not like, you got to turn everything everything off. is off. Like, boom, I'm like focused. Yeah, right? right. So, so it makes sense to me that you have this capacity to go broad and do it at the highest level that I've seen. Like you are one of those like unicorn dudes that comes out of the, like comes out of the gate flying, explodes, and then also does it really well and knows what he's talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a Ryan Pineda sucks video, <laughs> right? Like I haven't seen that. Like yeah. Orion Pineda doesn't know what he's talking about. Like you don't see that because when you listen to you or you talk to you, you're like, bro knows what he's talking about. Like mm -hmm. he's legit. Right. So, and it's like your capacity to do that is the reason why I think you do well at, the, at a broad range. And so I think for the viewer or the listener, whichever we have right now, right. Your capacity to self-analyze what your key strengths are and how you are as a person are you hyper focused or are you able to multitask and in your multitask when you do multitask do you do all those tasks well right can you listen to the mu can you listen to music watch a tv show and rock the essay yeah right if you could do those things like that bro go broad because god made you that way he made you for that purpose yeah but for me the way that my biology came out and the way that my spirit is i have to be hyper focused for it to be worthy no dude that was um I could not have said it any better. You know, people have asked me that and it's a very common question of, man, should I just focus on one niche or go broad? And I think your personality does play the biggest role as you alluded to, because there are people like yourself and you know, others who they have to do one thing. Yep. And then there are people that are go absolutely crazy doing one thing like myself. I get bored so easily especially when I reach a point in say a business or a venture where I'm like, all right, this is successful. You know, I've made it what I want it to be. And you know, 
let's go to the next thing. Yeah. You know, I'm personally a big believer in the 80, 20 rule. Right. And for me, I know that like I could put 20% effort and get 80% of the results in like a lot of different things. For instance, though, to reach the next level that you guys have achieved in franchising, I would have to devote significant time to building home run offer to do that. And, um, that is that extra 80% of time, but you know, the results will be very good. Sure. Um, so I think it really just depends on your goals. It depends on your personality. Yep. Um, and it depends where you're at in your life. Like, um, hundred percent, man, just what are you fully capable of? And, um, I think you guys for, I, I think the biggest thing is just gaining self-awareness of who you are. Yep. And that's something you actually, you know, I've been talking about with your meditation routine and, um, mindset and stuff. And I, my guess is the meditation gives you a lot of self-awareness. Absolutely. You know, I, I will be 1000% transparent with our viewer and listeners. I've had multiple, um, second chances in life. Right. Uh, I have not always been the best person. I have not always been the best to myself. And, and, and because of that, uh, I had to really be honest with like, you know, who am I, you know, what, what, why am I here? Why am I in so much pain? You know, why do I feel the, the need to, to, uh, act out? Or why do I feel the need to like roll with these people? Or why did I feel the need to numb? You know, what, are, what, what's the, like the trigger and, and it comes from forgetting that we're connected. It comes from forgetting that our source is within us, you know? And, and I think that's the biggest lie that we've been told as people is that we don't have God in us, mm-hmm. that we aren't special. Every human being is, is so special, is so powerful, is so meaningful. Amen. And it's connected to each other. We're, bro, you're my brother. Like, you're yep. my brother. Like, you, you guys, and like, and you're my sister listening. Like, you don't understand how connected we are and once we start to remember that and once we start to harness the power of our connectivity there is nothing you can't do Mm -hmm. like you have a dream there is a human out there who can bring that to you who not how exactly yeah right so getting into that capacity to find a home in that space of stillness that in, in your source you know if you're a christian in christ if you're a Muslim in Allah, if you're if you're Jewish in in Moses or the Torah or whatever it is that you're the Kabbalah, whatever it is part of Judaism you're following, I mean whatever your path. If you truly, truly, truly look at the essence of all spirituality of all faith, the the bottom line teaching is that we are one. We are one. We are all one, and we have the ability to bring towards us exactly who we need to take us to the next level in life, to give us the abundance we need. We don't, you don't see animals out there, birds having anxiety about where their food is going to come from. They know that God provides it. Yeah. Right. And we are the same. There's a Bible verse that talks about that. Right. We're the same. Yeah. Why, why have any worry in the world? Like don't the birds eat every day? You know, they don't worry about when their next meal is going to be yet. Exactly. You as humans who God loves so much more have to like, why do you have so much anxiety? Do you think the birds are anxious? It's because we forget. Yeah. And if you look at the root of like the why, the why is because we forget. It's because we forget that we have the Lord in us, that God is inside of us. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be fed. God wants us to be, have abundance. But we forget God. We forget God in everything we do. And then we find God in booze or then we find God in girls or then we find God in money and then we find God in house and then we find God in this. And you know what? All those things disappear. Yep. hundred percent. And so that, and that's why one of the big things, um, I always talk about on this podcast, I talk about faith a lot. And, um, for me, it has always been about balance and family and faith and business and, you know, self-development, everything, you know, like you cannot be lacking on one. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've got an acronym called RAISE that um, I really preach. And I have a planner called my RAISE planner. You guys can download it completely for free at ryanpineda.com. 
but um, it stands for relationships, assets, intellect, exercise, or sorry, spirit and exercise. Love that, dude. And love it. I I do all five of those things like we're talking about, and I think um, no matter how much money I've ever made, I can tell you because. I've been a Christ follower because I've always been focused on my health and my wife and my, my kids, the money, like I can, I'm, I'm being so, so real that like, I have no more joy today than I had, you know, five years ago. It's the same amount of joy. Um, because the money is just like a fraction of what makes fulfillment in life. Thousand percent, bro. Yeah. Thousand percent. So, you know, as we wrap up though, tell, tell me about the meditation. Like what is the routine? You said you've, you've been doing some really strict. Yeah. So, you know, um, again, for the, for the listener or viewer. So I started meditating five years ago and I'll, and I'll be honest with you. I started with a hangover it's all because good. I was, I was alone. I felt alone. I felt sad and I was just like, didn't know where, where I was going or what was happening, you yeah. know? Um, but I knew that I wanted more that I needed God, that I needed to find something better. And yeah. so um, I started with a hangover and it yeah. was five minutes. And then you know what ended up happening? The booze fell off. Mm. It, le- it left my life because God knew it didn't need to be in my life. Yeah. Right. I found that bliss. I found that joy through, from something else, not a chemical from my own chemical, from my own spirit. Right. Yep. Yep. And so every day uh, it started off at five minutes and then it went to 10 minutes. And now I meditate 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to an hour every single morning. I wake up, uh, actually typically don't even leave my bed. I'll meditate right in, in the bed. Uh, sometimes if I'm feeling super groggy or I may fall asleep, I'll exercise first and then I'll meditate. Yeah. But it is a daily non-negotiable for me. If, and I, and I, I'll be also honest, have I missed meditation days? Yes. Have those days been completely sucky? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, I'm not the same guy. No, your morning routine is so important. And it, I preach it all the time. I've had the same morning routine, very similar to you for five years. Now my morning routine is a little different. Um, you know, for mine, it's, it's also an hour, but you know, 10, 15 minutes of that is in prayer. Another 15 minutes is reading my Bible. Another 10, 15 minutes is journaling and my planner, you know, and then, another 15 minutes is just kind of hanging out, reflecting and thinking about, um, the day and the things I got to accomplish and, um, you know, then hitting the gym. Yeah. So I, I literally do that every day and I can tell you it's a non-negotiable and just like, you know, I think too many people with a morning routine, they, they think it's optional. And so they're like, ah, I'll just sleep in today. I'll, I'll skip the morning routine for me. It's like, no, you, you would not just think that that's okay for work. Right. <laughs> it's a non-negotiable. Yep. And you have to treat other aspects of your life the same way you would treat your job. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. In fact, even higher, higher priority than that. Oh, no, without like, a doubt. Without a doubt. Because yeah. I've been late to work because I needed to make sure I, I did my morning routine. Yes, sir. And but I'm also the boss guy. So that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that kind of helps. He's also the boss. But, <laughs> but like, even then, you know, like you became the boss because you were the boss of you. Exactly. You know, you don't we get need to, to make that a shirt. Yes. I'm the boss because I'm the boss of me. First. Yeah, 100 percent, dude. Yeah. Like you are the boss of you. And because you're the boss of you, you can now be the boss in life. Yeah. Right. And I think that we just have to learn it. They don't teach this to us in high school. They don't teach it to us in college. You know, it's a shame. It's a shame that like life isn't taught the way that it needs to be lived in its highest way. I'm with you, dude. I'm with right? you, man. They well, that's why we memorize. They teach us I, to just regurgitate. I think it's going to change as things, you know, social media and things evolve. You know, I think kids are way more in tune with YouTube and podcast and all of these forms of content that are teaching them the things that school does not. So, and, and we just see it like right now I'm at an event and, um, I just see these 17, 18 year old kids making $20,000, you know, flipping or wholesaling a house. I'm like, holy crap. How did yeah. you learn? All-? Like, they're like, dude, I've been studying this since I was 15 years old. Yeah. It's like, dude, when we were 15, I was a nut. Nobody was telling us about wholesaling no. or so it's, uh, 
it's a different time. So I do think though that that is going to be on the verge of changing. So I'm I excited agree. for that. Also, our role models are are evolving too. Like like you said, you see these young kids that their role models are entrepreneurs. Hundred percent. You know, whereas like for me, you know, again, no no disrespect to to Pac, right? I love Tupac and I got motivated from Tupac, but that was my motive. That was my role model. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? And so like so it was first thug life before it was like let's get out and like be like hug life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, let's get out there and like love on people. Yeah. You're right. And like, and, and actually understand what it means to be like the best human possible. Yeah. So, you know, our role models are evolving. Our idea of what education is, is evolving. We are just realizing through our technology that we're connected and that technology is, is allowing us to reach better people, more aligned with our values and our goals. And uh, my, my suggestion to everybody that's out there that's kind of lost or, or thinking, you know, what do I do with my life? Look in first. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. It starts yeah. with you. So, man, this has been an awesome podcast, I, dude. Yeah, likewise, I, dude. It was a I great always uh, enjoy seeing you, man, every time I'm in Phoenix. Same, same. Um, you know, for, for those listening, uh, where can they connect with you, man? Uh, you know, hit me up on my IG. That's probably where I'm most active. It's at J-D-A-M j i at j damji i've got a you know a little youtube page it's nothing like ryan's but i do put out a little bit of content about uh wholesaling and and just about my life it's just jamil damji j-a-m-i-l-d-a-m-j-i on youtube um and reach out you know i'm 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 available i'm open i love to communicate I'm here for questions, and uh, I just appreciate you having me on today, brother. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, dude. So, guys, um, make sure you go and follow Jamil. We will link to his information down below in the description. And as always, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do it. It's completely free. doesn't cost you a dime. And uh, worst case, you don't like it, and you unsubscribe. So, um, Jamil, I'll catch you later. Thanks Thank you, for bro. coming. Good Everyone, man. thanks for listening. Peace. Later. Thanks for watching the Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to work with me, head over to ryanpineda.com. You can find my courses, coaching programs, and upcoming events. We also have free resources you can download, so head over to ryanpineda.com.